Welcome to the Let That Go Show with Kasira McKee and Richard Skipper. This show is based on Kasira's book, Let That Go, where she guides people in completely blessing and releasing people, places, and all kinds of things. Kasira and Richard share personal insights and experiences based on concepts in Kasira's book with guests and you, their co-hosts. Are you ready to let that go? Let's go. Hello, Kasira. How are Hello. you? Oh, I have to tell you, we almost ended the show before it began. I hit the wrong button. <laughs> I mean, talk about, I mean, Mercury is in retrograde. I saw you waving. Why, why were you waving? Because I wanted to know if you could see Carol behind me. <laughs> can you see Carol? I can see Carol. Okay, Carol's behind us. She's watching over us. Oh, my God. I she, saw might have a, she might have an answer or two. Oh, we'll see. Well, she may. I had already pressed the button, and then it, it, credits were going, and then I pushed the wrong button to start <laughs> our uh, closing credits. Uh, but we are on track now. Well, we're uh, only human. We're only human. We're spiritual we're beings human. human bodies. We are human. Before we start tonight, I uh -huh. want to say, because we are going to be talking about letting go of saying yes. Yes. I want to begin by saying thank you to those who do say yes to us, those who show up, and especially those who have sponsored us this week. Erin Caleb, who is actually oh. tonight. Yes. So Aaron, thank you so much. Thank you. Erin, uh, I will say this, has been incredibly generous to us. So thank Aaron, you, Aaron. our studio, uh, the EMC studio uh, in New Jersey. Uh, please check her out, everyone. Look into it. Deborah Stowe uh, has been incredibly generous. And Hi, Kurt Deborah. And yes. Kurt Peterson. Yes, so, her, who I haven't met you. yet. Hi. Check them out. Mm -hmm. Look into what they're doing. And thank you all. Uh, so, uh, as always, thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, how are you, Kasira? I'm good. I'm hanging in there. You know, we're all hanging in there. And this, we're, this is a joint effort. We're all in this together. It's our higher, you know, where it's a collective consciousness. And we're all in this together. So yes. that's that's how I am. We're, we're, I, I, we're all in this together. So you picked this topic tonight. Mm -hmm. uh, and I love this topic uh, because, uh, you know, there's FOMO is uh, the word that uh, or the phrase that uh, circulates mm -hmm. among many people, uh, fear of missing out. Uh, so many people are afraid that if they don't say yes, that they're going to miss great opportunities. And then there are people who will say yes before they thought through things. Exactly. Um, and then there are people who feel that if you don't say yes right away, I had a situation earlier today. Here's a perfect example where mm -hmm. someone had sent me an email uh, mm -hmm. asking, uh, I, as I always do with everyone who knows me, mm -hmm. I go, now what can I do for you today? When I say that, it's genuine. I really mean it. And if there's something that I can do to make your day a little bit better or brighter, I really want to be there for you. Okay. So I put that in, uh, in out today to someone and they're doing a yes. GoFundMe campaign. Uh -huh. And they asked 
if I would mind getting the word out because you're in the final days of the GoFundMe campaign. Uh huh. But in the meantime, uh, I threw a little small, smallish uh, birthday party for two friends today uh, mm-hmm. who came over. Uh, it's National Cheeseburger Day. And so God, I, I love che- uh, the cheeseburgers, cheeseburgers and Italian food, my two favorite things. Well, I did cheeseburgers. But I don't eat them day. often. But we don't either. But I did them on the grill today. You go. And in the meantime, because and once my friends came over, my phones were left inside. We sat on the back deck. I did not look at my phones. I didn't check my messages. I completely shut off from all social media while my guests were here today. So when I came back online, because I did not respond immediately to the email that had been sent asking for uh, me to uh, send out information, they assumed that my answer was no. And they said, okay, you know, we get it. You know, you don't want to, you know, send anything out. And we respect that. And I said, no, 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 no. Um, I just did not respond fast enough. So just because someone doesn't respond fast doesn't mean that it's a no. Well, people, but yet people want to know. So it's perfectly fine to say, give me some time or let me think about it. You know, that's perfectly acceptable because most we, we all want answers. And people do assume, well, if you don't say yes immediately, you must mean no. We we have make we make way too many assumptions with each other these days, don't you think? Absolutely. But yeah. have, have you asked? Do you think it's wrong to? Uh, I mean, first of all, asking sometimes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. A lot of people are nervous about asking for what we desire. What we? Well, honey, if you don't, it's the asking you shall receive, and that doesn't mean you're. It's going to be a yes. It means you're going to receive an answer. <laughs> I love it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be yes, but I I think a lot of people are are very uh, apprehensive about asking because they think the answer is going to be no and they're allergic to rejection. Mm -hmm. Um, No is not necessarily a rejection to us personally, it just means no. From the other person, it means I cannot commit to this. And when people ask me for things, I ask myself, can, am I able to commit to this? And, you know, in my book, Let That Go, I write about people constantly saying they're overwhelmed. If we're overwhelmed, it means we're overcommitted. Yet we said yes. So we have to accept the commitment and stop saying, I'm overwhelmed, I'm overwhelmed. Well, you're responsible for it. You said yes. So I always say, instead of saying I'm overwhelmed, I I tell my my close friends know this about me. I say I overcommitted myself, yet I made a commitment and I've got to see it through. And when we make a commitment, it's a responsibility. and We've got to see that responsibility through because we made the commitment. But don't you feel that we also, in today's world, Mm -hmm. we are equating yes or no with our self-esteem? And what I mean by that is that a yes or a no is a reflection on how people feel about us. If you ask something and someone, uh, and I'll give you an example of what I mean by this. Okay. Um, recently, you made a suggestion to me about mm-hmm. a spe- specific person to go after for an interview. And I immediately 
pursued that person. And their management team, their publicity department, whomever, uh, got back to me immediately and said, we're going to pass on this at this point. Okay. And you immediately responded to me, said, don't take this personally. This mm-hmm. is not about you, any of those things. And I agree with you. I did not take it personally. First mm-hmm. of all, it wasn't something that I had even thought about prior to you suggesting it. Mm-hmm. So it didn't, in the scheme of things, it would have been nice because it would have been another uh, wonderful interview to have. Connection and, and another it's connection. Yeah. Great and, and something interesting to to deliver to your audience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But each day that we begin, each day is a new journey. And when we begin that journey, uh, when we put our feet on the ground each day, mm-hmm. um, every single moment in the day mm-hmm. is a fork in the road. We're going to make a choice to go in this direction or go in this direction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every single moment of the day. It's yeah. going to be a yes or a no. Which, and, means we have to, which means we have to be mindful. And I write about that in my book, too. That's part of the process is being mindful. See, I'm the kind of person, and this is the way I go through life, and I don't expect everyone else to go through life like this, but its I will tell you, mm-hmm. it's been a hard thing as I've gotten older, it's a lot easier for me to accept mm-hmm. that the way that I live my life is not necessarily the way that you live your life or the way that other people live their life. Mm-hmm. I am a very committal person. When someone asked me... Uh, If I'm available to do something, I open my calendar, I put it in my book, and it is done. Mm -hmm. Um, And life circumstances happen, and certain things come up in the way. If I make, if I say yes to you, Kasira, I've committed to you. If something else comes along, I don't care how great it is. I mean, if I've committed to you, and I get a phone call from Barbara Streisand, who wants me to come to Malibu and spend the evening with her. <laughs> I'm going to call and you. And if it's a plus one, you better invite me. Okay, next. I'm going to call you and I'm going to mm-hmm. say, this is the situation. Actually, what I would do first is I would say, uh, Babs, may I call you Babs? Okay. <laughs> I, have a, I have a date with Kasira McKee. Mm-hmm. Do you mind if I bring her along? And she'll say, who the fuck is Cassandra McCain? <laughs> no, no, no. But that's where I start. I mean, today, someone, yeah. uh, I uh, I said, pick a date and a time and let's do brunch. And she picked a mm-hmm. date that I already have a brunch date on it. And I said, let me reach out to this other person and see if she has any objection to me asking you to come along. She's either going to say yes or no. And if she says no, I'm not going to take it personally. And I've said to my friend, I don't take it personally either. She may not have the space for another person. It may be too much trouble for her to invite another Mm -hmm. person. Mm -hmm. Don't take it personally. But at least I'm going to open that door and say, is this something that we can make happen? I am always... Well, every every circumstance is completely different. There's not one circumstance that's, that's the same for anybody. This is all personal circumstances. I'm not saying say no to everything. Did I say that? No, I did not. I said, let go of saying yes, meaning all the time. 
if it's not what we're feeling. I do not say yes to what I think I cannot fulfill. Uh, based on my, because, you know, I have a civilian job in the pharmaceutical industry, in the medical industry. And if I don't think, you know, keeping my commitments with you and your book club, it's a big deal for me. Last, I'm going to confess, last Monday, my alarm didn't go off and I slept through the book club virtual meeting. I did it. I'm hum I'm a spiritual being in a human body and I make mistakes. I was, I was, I, I was that tired. that I did not wake up and do it <clears throat> yet. Uh, unless there's a technical difficulty, I typically commit, uh, follow my commitment for this particular pod podcast. What I'm talking about is a deeper, it's, it's deeper circumstances and situations and relationships. So let me start by saying I, I had a rebellious moment when I was a really young adult. It may have been late teens. I don't remember when it was. Yet, okay, so I'm from Texas and I was in Dallas and our whole family, including my grandparents, would get together for Thanksgiving and Christmas. Every Thanksgiving and Christmas, we'd, we'd get together, the whole family. There were a lot of us. And on this particular, I don't, I think it was Thanksgiving, on this particular Thanksgiving, I suddenly woke up to the fact that all of the women did all of the cooking, okay? And then after the, after the pigging out and the eating, which we did a lot of, trust me, the men would go sit on their asses and watch sports, typically football. And the men would clean, the women would clean up. Is this a Southern thing? Because I grew up with that. I, I don't, I don't know. I think it's, I don't know. I, it might be every, but you know, it depends on the family. It depends on the family, but this is a family of straight folks. Okay. Family of straight folks, grandparents, parents, children. Uh, and I just, it hit me that this particular holiday that the women did all the cooking and worked really hard and then served it. And then afterwards had to clean it all up while the men sat on their butts and watched football. I'll tell you something um, that'll shock you. And so, and so I, on this particular day rebelled and I went into the room full of men, <laughs> you know me. Oh, I'm sorry. First in the kitchen, it was at my aunt and uncle's house. Uh, and I said, why is it that you cooked and you serve them? And now they're sitting on their asses and they're watching football and you're cleaning up. Well, it's just the way it is. I said, well, that's just not good enough. And I walked into the den and I said, guys, what's going on? They cooked all the food and you ate it. And now you're sitting on your asses watching. Food. This is the language I learned and, and I, I used. And now you're watching football and they're cleaning up after you. Why can't you wash a dish? Why can't you bring something in from the table? And they completely ignored me. And the women were yelling at me from the kitchen. Let it go. Just, just, just come in and help. No, I'm not helping you. I'm not cleaning. That's what I said. I am not cleaning. I am not cleaning up. after these men. And I rebelled that day. That was the first big in my life history. I mean, I've said no a lot, but. In my life history, especially with my family, that was my first big no. Okay. Now, in Sit later back. years, in Sit later back. years, I write in my book that I'm totally honest about this. And my mother is, is dead now. My mother abused me for years, mentally, verbally, and emotionally. And there was a point that I write about in my book about overcoming injury and disease and, and, and things of that nature, 
where she had just beat me up and torn my room up way too many times. And I said, no, and I was done. And my grandparents finally took me in to save me from the abuse. And in later years, when my mother, when I let her back in, she kicked me in the teeth again with something. And that was my final no. So here's it. it not every situation is the same. It's That's not right. all the same. You know, somebody abusing you, you're saying no is not the same to somebody asking you out to lunch. It's not the same. Every single situation is different. But here's the commonality of all of these situations. We've got to shut up for a minute and get quiet and ask ourselves, is this right for me? Is this, you know, if I say yes, is it going to ruin my life? No. You know, typically, if I say yes to lunch with this person, is it going to be uncomfortable? Do I like this person? Will it be fun? Okay, I'll go. Every single situation is different. Every situation is different. But I, I used to have a friend who's no longer my friend because I ended the relationship. They used to volunteer me and other people for things without asking us first. And it was very manipulative in, in social events, community events. Oh, this thing is happening and blah, 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 and cuckoo cough. But I would be present with this person. When this person would say to another person, oh, I'll get so-and-so to do it. She'll say yes. Oh, I'll get him to do it. He'll say yes without asking them. And I finally called him on it. And I said, well, what if they don't want to do it? Oh, she'll do it. Why? Because you desire her to do it or because she desires to do it? Did you ever think about, oh, no, she'll do anything I tell her to do. That's not the attitude to have people. We can't assume that people are going to want us to volunteer for things or do things just because we say so. That's my point. Right. And we have to check in with ourselves each time and ask ourselves, am I willing to make this commitment? Considering my schedule and my life, do I think I can pull this off? And if I don't think I can pull this off, it's, it's of course, you know, perfectly okay to say no. It's okay to say no. I have had former friends that used to push me in conversations when I said no. They would try to push me to say yes over and over and over again. And I have a former best friend that I had for years who's no longer my friend that produced this whole scene in front of her family, her husband and her children, because I wouldn't wear a certain something to a certain event that she wanted me to wear in the, in her home. <laughs> I said, I'm not wearing that. Oh, but it would look so good in you. I'm not wearing that. I said, no. Oh, but I blah, blah, blah. And I, and her, her, her whole family was gathering around. And I said, I said, no. Do we need to have a confrontation and an argument in front of your entire family? Because I said no. Do you understand what no means? And I found out later from her kids, they said she does that to us too. She's determined that everything's going to be a yes for her. So you doing that was very different for our lives. But some people don't listen for the even for the no's. Yes. But I wanted to share something. I mean, you talked about the family dynamics there. Yes. I, I left home when I was 18 years old. Many people know that. I grew up in South Carolina. I grew up on a tobacco farm. Um, my father was the oldest of 10 children. And uh, so every Sunday, uh, my grandparents, uh, my grandmother, God bless her, uh, on Saturdays, going to my grandmother's home was like walking into uh, a Magnolia Bakery. 
a famous bakery in New York. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, very, I mean, she baked cakes and pies and everything. All Saturday, she would be baking these pies because all the local people from church would stop by. Uh, mm -hmm. And in the South, and I don't know if this was everywhere else, people can let me know, but in the South, people just drop in. I mean, in those days, we didn't have They computer. used to. They used to. Mm -hmm. uh, do they still do that? I don't think so. But people would drop in. Yes. Uh, you know, and there was always enough for everybody. But the weird, I mean, I'm going to say weird because it, as I look back on it, it's weird. Mm -hmm. um, what you just described, all of the women would be in the kitchen cooking mm -hmm. and, uh, and prepping every, everything. Mm -hmm. Are you sitting back? Because there were so many, all the men would sit down and eat first. Oh, yes. I remember those days. And then after the men finished eating, mm -hmm. and they after they finished eating and, and cleaned everything away, then the women would sit down and mm -hmm. eat. And as I think back on that time, mm -hmm. I realize, you know, how backwards that was. Yes. That was all I knew growing up. That was the dynamic of every holiday and every Sunday growing up in growing up on a, on a farm in the South. That was what my life was like. Uh, but, you know, the choices that I've made going through life and when I choose to say yes, um, there are a lot of people. I love the song. Everybody says don't. Everybody says, you know, the Stephen Sondheim song. Mm -hmm. There's also going through life where you say yes when everybody else around you is saying no. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the difficult thing. You and I had a conversation the other day. Um, may I go there? about? Of course. Okay. We had a conversation, as we mm -hmm. do uh, many times, about mm -hmm. uh, those that you know, are friends that don't show up. Um, and, you know, and we don't expect our friends to show up for every show that we do or everything that we do. Um, but there are many so-called friends. I posted something on Facebook today, mm -hmm. uh, a very large percentage of my friends, friends in air quotes, mm -hmm. have no clue as to what I do. Oh, I know. I have a book out. We have a podcast. You have a book club that I'm participating in. I don't have one relative that watches this show or, or has even bought my book, except my parents, my parents and, and two of my, my two brothers. That's it. They don't watch the show. I have two friends. I have, we have one friend, our friend, Doug, who watches the show live. Doug, we love I have you. Two, I, hello, Doug. My little seahorse. And Doug and I, you know, we talk, uh, He's uh, amazing. Quite often. Doug, Doug's uh, amazing. And, and Doug is from the entertainment world, by the way. Doug is a singer and an actor. And, you know, yes. uh, and I, I, my best friends do not watch the show. They don't even watch the reruns. I, and here's what I think. I think they think that they know me so well, they don't need to watch the show. Oh, I don't need to watch the show because I know you. Well, it's not about knowing me. It's about knowing the information. And some of these people are the same people that call me for advice. Mm -hmm. And I'm at the point where I'm just going to say, you want some advice? Watch the damn show. Uh -huh. 
because I'm I'm really over. I'm just going to be really honest about it. I got people that call me for advice and they don't pay me for it and I get paid for it. And these are people that are friends. They get free advice and I'm not doing the free advice anymore. I'm saying no to that right now. And I told you that the other day. I think that there's we have people in our personal lives that cross those lines. They cross the lines of, oh, you're going to tell a story, aren't you, Richard? About landscaping. <laughs> you're reading my yeah. mind. We had a conversation and we were really honest with each other about this stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. People call me all the time that are my friends because they want free advice. People pay me for this advice. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is part of my income, it's part of my career. Yet these people want my input, which means they want my advice. I'm not going to do it anymore because that, that's crossing a big personal line. And you told me an amazing story about landscaping that crossed that particular line. Are you willing? Or you said you were going to tell the story. Well, you know, well, I'm, I mean, the, the thing is that, you know, my husband's a landscape architect and many times uh -huh. we'll get invited to a dinner or something. Yeah. Because someone... <laughs> allergies um because someone wants to um pick his brain you know at one point they want to walk him around the grounds or the gardens or something you know what plants would you plant here what would you do there and he's a designer and uh you know and uh you know uh, you know he's he's designed for people only to have them you know go in another direction because um but they pick pick the brain or something. But you and I are also in a profession that um, we are in a profession that there are so many people out there mm -hmm. that so desperately want to be in this profession. I mean, I have been in New York. This is my 43rd year. I worked tirelessly to get my equity card. I went to auditions and, you know, standing in cattle call lines and doing whatever I needed to do, waiting tables, doing everything I could, getting my equity card, doing, you know, uh, traveling, you know, in buses and, you know, all, uh, all night long. You know what it's like, Kasira. And then uh, you you work your life, your whole life, wanting to get to a point where you have a modicum of leverage in this business. To where you can choose, uh, you know, have a little bit of say in terms of negotiating more money, mm -hmm. uh, a little bit more prestige in this business and everything. Yep. And then there's somebody in the wings who is so desperate to work in this business that they'll go, I'll do it for nothing. And those people who are willing to do this for nothing um, sabotage it for set those. A president, but they set a president's. They set a precedence uh -huh. for those who have been, you know, working. I don't know if it's like this in other professions, because, I mean, you, you certainly can't do this as a doctor or maybe as a plumber or other a teacher. But in this business, because everybody thinks that you just walk out on stage, you say a few lines or everybody thinks or some people think mm -hmm. they can carry a tune when they can't. And they don't have the training. And it's not just about walking on stage and carrying a tune mm -hmm. or being able to learn lines and not bump into no, people. Yeah. Hello. Um, it, there is a discipline in terms of 
being able to pace yourself, knowing how, uh, I mean, there's so much in terms of uh, nutrition and getting the right amount of uh, rest, uh, being able to show up on time. There's it's, a rehearse, it's rehearsal. It's memorization. It's emotions. It's talent. It's everything rolled up in a glorious artistic ball. I mean, just this week alone, I had someone uh, that, and the interview is going to happen. It's going to happen later on. Okay. And if he's watching the show, and I hope he sees this at some point, but it's, you know, a well-known person in business. New book is out. And I reached out to this person on July 23rd. I know this for a fact because I went back and looked at the notes. I reached out to this person in July for an interview. and. Uh, uh, I will have my publicist get back to you and set up a date. That was the last I heard from them. Mm -hmm. And on the 15th, the date that the book came out, mm -hmm. um, as I'm having dinner with friends in the city, two messages are left on my phone. And again, folks, when I go out to dinner, I don't take my phone with me. I am not one of those persons looking at my phone. Uh, I am really with my guest. You're focused the, on your event. You're focused um, in the moment. I don't yeah. take my phones with me. I leave my mm -hmm. phone in a glove compartment uh, mm -hmm. in our car when I go out to dinner. And so I'm out with my friends. And when I get home, there are two messages waiting for me. Don't we have an interview tonight? Uh, you know, where are you? Mm -hmm. um, I thought we had an interview tonight. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. Is, is this interview on the phone? Is this interview on camera? Uh, I don't know. And I forwarded back the email that I sent in July, which explained the entire format for my show. And it, it, I mean, this person, you know, who was eventually going to be coming on the show had not even gone back and looked at the notes, you know, uh, which you would have thought, you know, wh what's happening here? Um, and that was someone who had not even officially said yes to me, mm -hmm. but thought they said yes to me. Right. But I had said yes to them. You know, I had reached out for a particular interview. Mm -hmm. Well, we can't expect someone to mirror us. We say right. yes to them. It's just, I, I, I really think, especially in charity events, and somebody just posted about this, people say yes because they think, oh, if I say yes to them, when I require their services, they're going to say yes to me. Not really. Not necessarily. And, we, and that's manipulation. And that's an assumption. We cannot, we cannot assume that if we say yes to someone else, we're, they're going to say yes to us. It just doesn't work that way. You think they would. I mean, just out of courtesy. But if it's not on paper, they don't have to. I see but, several uh, I see several cabaret entertainers that are watching tonight. Thank you all uh -huh. for being here. Um in and especially in the New York City cabaret scene, which I used to be in, yes. Uh, yes. Uh there's this tit for tat game that goes on. Oh yes, I and know. And there are certain people that kill themselves uh, when they can ill afford it, where they will go and see every show that they can possibly ill afford to see. 
And it's, oh, and do free and do free open mics that other people are getting paid for. Mm -hmm. Free open mics mm -hmm. because they think that those people are mm -hmm. going to come and see them. I'm going to. And like, yes, they think they're going to. I hate the word, but they think that if they pay money to go see these people, these people they're seeing are going to help them. Yes, it's going to be re, it's going to be. And there's a, a an entertainer uh, who I love. He's mm -hmm. been on the show and he mm -hmm. said, all I owe you as an entertainer is a great performance. That's right. That's absolutely right. I don't owe you to come see your show. And I've had I've had people say to me, well, I've been to see your show. And I go, I if I don't come to see you perform. It's not because I don't want to come see you perform. Mm -hmm. It could be my financial situation at the time of mm -hmm. your show. Um, I live in Rockland County. And mm -hmm. coming into the city to see a show is not just about coming into the city to see a show. It's a big deal. It's gas and tolls. Yes. New York is tough, you guys. If you, haven't, if you have not ever lived in New York, driving, you either take a very expensive car service to and fro. Right. You would never take a train. Taking a train would take half a damn day no. or you drive yourself and where and you get the gas and you deal with traffic. And then where the hell are you going to park? Yeah, I've been I live there. I know. Well, it's now a big deal. It's a big deal for people to turn out for stuff like that. Yeah, we I mean, to park at Manhattan Plaza, we went to. Uh, we met with friend a friend on Thursday night. We parked in Manhattan Plaza. Uh -huh. It used to be before COVID. It yeah. was twenty five dollars to park there. You know, my friend Kathleen is here, and mm -hmm. she knows this. She drives. Uh, she just posted. She drives from Pennsylvania. She totally gets it. I saw and that. I will, and I will say this about Kathleen. Hi, Kathleen. Kathleen is a friend. A friend. If you look up the word friend in the dictionary, you're going to see her and her husband's photographs. Mm -hmm. They are there for me so many times. I just, I love, love, love that woman. Mm -hmm. And she is there for me. They have mm -hmm. traveled from, when I was doing my shows at the Laurie Beachman, they came to every show. They're not in the business. They were there to support me and they didn't expect well Kathleen it's the truth they they came to support they didn't come expecting anything in return they've been mm -hmm. frequent guests in our homes uh, I, I I just absolutely love them and you know and they do say yes when they can say yes um, they or I can't say enough about them. I love, love, love you. Um, and and I realize that's not true. Everybody can't do that. Uh, there are well, people. I, can, can I say something to that? Yes. And after I say this, I want to recognize Cherie because she said something that um, struck a chord with me, which a good chord. So first of all, I write a story in my book about a real performer who came to Dallas more than once with his accompanist, who I've known for many, 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 many years, who was de who depends on, in their open mic nights, other people to perform all night. 
And he still asks for an exorbitant amount of money to go do this. And these people pay, and in this particular situation, the audience were mostly singers. There were some non-singers there that wanted to watch the, the parade, but there were a lot of singers there that paid a $25 cover, bought dinner, bought their own drinks, and sang for free. Okay. And this particular person who ran the open mic, when I drove him around town for free, talked, talked negatively about 98% of the people that sang that night. What was he thinking? What did he sing? He's horrible. Did you see what he was wearing? Oh, God, he was awful. And they went on and on and on about three different people, too, which that were not really very good. The only reason he did that is because they're very well known in the area. and you know, he kisses their asses. Yeah. That's, and I, I've known this person for years. I said no to that person after that conversation in the car. He also put me down, by the way. And I unfriended this person on social media and I have not spoken to him at, what is it, seven or eight years? He's still clueless about why I don't speak to him. Yet the accompanist knows exactly why I don't speak to him. Exactly. Yes. Someone says I posted my mugshots on Facebook, but it says Facebook user and I have no idea who you are. So <laughs> Yeah, I don't um, know what that is. Yes, I don't but know. Anyway, but anyway, uh, Rose my, Mallet, I, uh, but anyway, I said um I just want I, to ask Rose Mallet, are you still here? Because if you are here, I want to use her as an example, if I may, because I another perfect okay. example of someone that I love here. Uh and, and then I, I wanna and then I want to address what Cherie said. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Cherie posted that she has the same problem with saying no to people when it comes to her intervention business, okay, counseling them for free. And she also said, uh, she commented, I believe, Cherie, collect, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you, after I talked about the friend that used to, ex-friend that used to volunteer every everybody for everything, she said that kind of person has control issues. You're exactly right. You're exactly right, Cherie. It's somebody that's going to control the whole event and, and making themselves look good to the people that are head of the event by saying, oh, I have all the people you need. You need to come to me. These people are volunteers. They don't get paid. You know, but it makes this guy look good because every, he says, oh, everybody's going to say yes to me because that's what they do. Well, it's not true. You're right, Cherie. You're right, Cherie. It, it is partly control issues. Yes, it is. And it's also, I think people who assume that we're going to give them everything for free. Oh, a good example is remember after 9-11 when people would contact us and say, well, you know, it was 9-11 and we don't have any money. Will you perform for free? Do you remember those days, Richard? Yes, but let me tell you about those days with all due respect. Yes. Because our hearts were open and we wanted yes. to do the right thing. And of yes. course, we did do the right thing. But when you go to do these events, what ends up happening, you walk into these events, and I cannot begin to tell you, I have been called, and I know you have too, Kassira, by agents who will call you up and they will ask you to work for practically no money. And you go, and I have shown up at events where I have been told there's a very small budget for this event. 
And then mm -hmm. I walk in. Oh, no, that's not what I'm talking about, though. But go ahead. No, but I have walked into events where I have seen beluga caviar uh, yes. on every table setting. I have seen. And uh, with vodka, ice, with, the cold, with the vodka, the I cold have vodka. Seen ice cultures mm -hmm. with vodka. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, or Dom Pernom, uh, you know, yes. out of every orifice. Uh, I have seen flowers, uh, uh, you know, their caterers. There are more waiters standing around than they uh, have uh, people to serve. Mm -hmm. And yet they're telling me that there's no money to pay me. Yes. And this happens over exactly. and over and over to artists. It's constantly, I, I don't know if Rose Mallet is still here. But if she's here, I will share her story. If she's not here, I'm not going to share the story. Okay. Um, are you uh, here, Rose? Where are you? Where are you, honey? Yeah, I ran into that after 9-11. Uh, you know, I mean, I was, I was, <laughs> I had to make a living and pay my bills and rent mm -hmm. like everybody else. And I also worked on Wall Street uh, for a few years. And after 9-11, I was enlisted with 21 employment agencies that couldn't get me a job because nobody had a job and everybody required a job and what used to what formerly paid over 50 grand or 60 grand a year now paid 25 and it was a competition to get a job after 9-11 and yet I was still a singer and had done a lot of recording and I I actually sang at the tunnel when I was a dance music artist for free to push a song you know and I sang at the tunnel several times for free to push a song never got paid for it uh, didn't make a whole lot of record sales off of it, you know, and there were other clubs that were actually really successful that were constantly crowded, sold a lot of booze and sold a lot of food that wanted me to play for free. Yet I knew other artists like my friend Miles Evans. He didn't play for free. Oh, hell no. You know, I had a lot of artist friends that would say, just hell no. So I said, no, I'm not doing it. It's not worth it to me. Let me go work. For a catering company, I became a cater waiter, you guys, after 9-11, because there was nothing, seriously, I, I didn't see anything else to do. And it was one of the hardest jobs I ever did. And I did it for several years and I exceeded at it. I was a VIP uh, member of a, the largest catering company in uh, New York. And, okay. uh, and at, because I wanted to make, my goal was to make an honest living, to make a living and do it honestly, not whore myself out for free as an artist. Go ahead, Richard. Well, most artists are afraid, or most people are afraid that if you do say no, mm -hmm. that you will not be asked again. You'll not be called again, of course, because they want free. They want free artists. They want gratis artists. They want people to come. There's a there's several theater companies here in New Mexico that pay you at almost nothing, nothing, or almost nothing because they assume that everyone wants the privilege to perform. I don't need that privilege. I performed for years. I recorded. I was a Billboard magazine dance music artist award in the 90s. I toured with people like Carol Channing. I, you know, I did it. I don't, I don't require your, your uh, benevolence as a performer. <laughs> you got to pay me for me. <laughs> Well, I did a, you know, one time, this was when I was performing as Carol Channing. So one time I was doing a class and I came out of the class mm -hmm. and there was a message for me to call this agent. And they said, we need somebody tonight. 
uh, are you available? And I called them mm-hmm. back immediately. And it was uh, a guy's 75th birthday. 75 is the diamond birthday. So mm-hmm. they wanted to come in, sing Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend as Carol Channing, which mm-hmm. means that I come home, I get completely made up. Drag. In drag. When you go into a restaurant. There's so much work that goes into drag. And for, I mean, the world of impersonation was not a world that I totally embraced. Let me just put that out there, everyone, which may come as a big surprise to a lot of people. Uh, For those that do, that's wonderful. It wasn't uh, something that I wore as comfortably as a lot of people. So for me to go into a restaurant uh, like that was not that comfortable a situation for me. So I would always feel uncomfortable doing it. And I would have to get uh, dressed in my home in Rockland County, uh, you know, go into the city. Uh, I would have to find an accompanist to come in and play for me. Yes. There were a lot of expenses that went into it. So they called me up and I asked for my fee. And Mm -hmm. they said, well, uh, let me call uh, the client and see if they will pay that amount. Mm -hmm. So. I didn't hear back from them. About an hour later, I get a call from another agent. And the agent tells me about this gig. I told them what my fee was. And they said, well, we don't know if we're going to be able to get that kind of money for you, but we will call you back. Mm -hmm. I'm not making this up, folks. I got a call from four different agents. Mm -hmm. And I know what they were doing. They wanted a Carol Channing impersonator. Mm-hmm. And when they went online and Googled, I came up because I was the best, if I do say so. Okay. Best. Oh, yes. Yes. Best. And so they were. And looking- you knew and you knew her quite well. So you were well rehearsed. I was well rehearsed. You were well rehearsed. They were looking. And so when the when the fourth one called me, uh, I said, you know something? I said, mm-hmm. you don't even have to tell me about the gig because I'm mm-hmm. psychic and I can describe the gig for you. Mm-hmm. And he started to laugh and he said, you've been called, haven't you? I said, you're the fourth call. You're not going to find anyone else. I'm it. So mm-hmm. just know this is what my fee is. If you can find somebody else lower than this, God bless you, but I'm not going to lower my fee. And I didn't get the gig. But I also not. didn't put myself through the anguish of having to do it. Mm-hmm. I want to address something Aaron just said. And Aaron, I have been in your kind of situation, although I'm not uh, I'm not an organist. Okay, so Aaron says the pastor at my church fired the highest paid person on staff, the organist, and came to me and asked if I could play Sunday Mass for free as part of a stewardship, tried to guilt me into it. And then Aaron said, I told him I could give up my weekends for payment if I have a family. Okay, so Aaron, I am a member of the Unity Church. And I sang in a Unity Church for a really long time. There were ice, the, the pianist was, the, the assistant pianist was amazing. And he has since passed away from leukemia. God, he was good. But the head person was a female who was kind of the star of the show. And um, the um, the amazing pastor who Richard has met paid me $100 to sing the, the service. 
I would give it back as a, because I was a member, I would give it back as a, a donation to the, to the church because I was a member. <clears throat> so I, I, I earned my donation. Okay. But at one point, this person who was in charge that played the piano, it was, she was like the star of the show, contacted me to sing, to be her backup singer on a CD. And I said, what are you talking about? And she goes, well, you said you wanted to sing something with me. I said, yes, with you, not be your backup singer. Are you going to pay me? Well, no. I'm like, okay. One. You said, sing something with me. That's not with me. That's me being your backup singer. And two, you're not going to pay me. No. And I just said, no, I am no one's backup singer, especially for free. And that was the end of the conversation. <laughs> and the only time this person called me, uh, really, after that was when suddenly she couldn't do a service and she wanted me to do the whole service. And I started saying no. Just no. Yeah, it's unfortunate that in the religious community, there's a lot there. I'm not going to lie because I've been there, Aaron. Uh, there's a lot of uh, guilt tripping going on to get people to serve the Lord or whatever you're serving. I don't care what it is. Now, I will say this. In the Buddhist organization I am a member of, everyone is a volunteer. The only persons that get paid are the people that run the office in each community center. And it's not a lot. That's a true. That's true. Nobody else gets paid for anything. It's all volunteer. And I have done a lot of singing as a Buddhist for Buddhist meetings as a volunteer, because there's no competition. There's no negotiating for funds. There's no negotiating for payment. We all know that it's a volunteer organization and everything we do is volunteerism. They've made it very, very, very clear. So in other words, there's not one singer that gets to pay to do something or a band member that's paid to do something and another person that doesn't, just to make that clear. That I'm okay with. As long as you put the rules down, as long as you explain it exactly the way it is and there's no shade in there, there's no shady business in there, I'm cool. You know, yet if you're a business that pays people to do what you're asking me to do, but you're not going to pay me, the answer is no. No. And you know me, Richard. I know. Well, uh, well again, I'll say no. <laughs> it's funny because, you know, I used to have uh, an agent, uh, God bless her, Ruth Stern. And Ruth Stern had a reputation in this business. When she passed away, her husband was so afraid uh, that they were going to do um, a roast of her at the Friars. Oh, my goodness. And they did. And they did. <gasps> oh. And Betty Roman if you remember Freddie Roman, the comedian, he mm -hmm. came out and he said, you know, Ruth had a very unique place in show business. She knew nothing about it. And Ruth, oh. but I will tell you something very interesting about Ruth. She showed up uh, every time she booked me, she would go, yes, uh, Judy knew Ruth Stern. She would show up at every gig. I was always paid I was given a check at the end of every gig. I never had to wait for a uh, for a check ever, ever, ever. So one night I was booked at the McAlpin Country Club. Uh, 
I did not like working at country clubs at all. And I had a conversation once with Carol Channing and I told her, I said, Carol, I don't like working at country clubs. And Carol said, oh, Richard, they're the worst places in the world to work because they're not there to see you. They're there to see each other. And she was right. Uh, country clubs are notorious bad places to perform. So I, I had a lot of country club friends, yes. So one night, I we were supposed to do a nine o'clock gig and it got later and later and later. And what happens when you are going on later at night is that they are getting drunker and drunker and drunker. You think? You mm -hmm. think. Well, by the time I got on, men were grabbing at me. They were pulling me, trying to pull oh my. me to laugh. They were trying to get photographs taken with me. So when I walked off the stage, nasty, I walked past Ruth Stern and she and Danny, this was at the McAlpin Country Club, which is very close to where I live. Mm -hmm. Her and Danny were sitting on this settee just outside uh, the room that I was performing in. Mm -hmm. And as I was making my way up the stairs uh, in this bridal suite where I got changed, I walked past her and I said, Ruth, my fee just doubled. And I went up the stairs. And so a week later, she called me up and she's like, I got another gig for you. And I told and I let her talk, gave me all the in, uh, instructions. And then I told her what my fee was going to be. She screamed and she says, I can't pay you that kind of money. I've got two other performers that I'm booking with you on that act. Because there were three of us that always performed together. I said, I want to sh share something with you. It's none of my business what they make. It's also none of their business what you pay me. I don't care what they make. I don't care if they make more than I make. I don't care if they make less than I make. I don't care. I'm only telling you that if you are going to book me, this is what it's going to cost and she says, I can't pay you that. And I said, well, then that's fine. And I hung up. And so 30 minutes later, she called me up. She said, never tell anybody what I'm paying you. And from that point on, I got what I was asking for. Because she knew. You go. She you knew go, honey. To deliver. So we're going to do a giveaway. Uh, talk for a moment while I bring this up. And then I got a few things I want to say. Talk amongst yourselves. Uh, yes. Uh, let me bring this up here. Okay. I'm share the screen. And then I want to say uh, a few words. Uh, okay. Here. Uh, giveaway tool. There we are. Share. There we are. And the word tonight is self-respect. Because I chose this word tonight because <laughs> we have to have self-respect. Anytime we say yes or no to anybody, we have to respect who we are and what we bring to the table. And I think that as actors, as artists, as people, some of you are not in this business. You are so afraid that by saying no, that it's going to diminish who you are. It's going to ruin your life. I, I think that's what people think. Oh, it's going to ruin my life if I say no. Let me tell and, you something. There are the younger generations these days. It's it's not a it's not a secret. I've had this conversation with people my age in the in the workplace. Young people say no to everything, and they job hop, and they're not dependable. 
there is a way it's just a fact it's it's check your statistics because they don't they don't do it appropriately us older people know how to say no in an appropriate way where it doesn't ruin our lives and it doesn't ruin our reputation it it's all about backing up whatever we say with reason it's backing up what we say with reason i had a really belligerent client in the medical field that i work in yesterday who was so belligerent and so nasty and i had to stop him in his track I, I said basically i said no to his uh, verbal abuse and I gave him all the reasons why. And guess what? It shut him right up. Just wow. bam, shut him right up. Because I backed it up with reason. All of his complaints, I said, oh, you you obviously do not understand what people like me do in the medical industry. We do this, 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 and this. Besides this, 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 and this. Now, what are you here for? And he shut right up. And I, we continued, we continued, you know, if you can back up your no with reason. Now, sometimes your no, sometimes it just doesn't, depending on the situation and the person, you don't need an explanation. You don't require an explanation. It's just no, just no. I want to say a few things. Uh, okay. Sarah uh, and Russell, first of all, thank you for being here tonight. Uh, I think that's the first time I've seen you here. I could be mistaken. Um, okay. I think that there's a space between self and respect. Uh, do it again. Hashtag self-respect. No space between self-respect. Uh, so that I want you to have a chance to win tonight. So try that again. No space between self-respect. Um, I... I I just want to uh, ask, uh, this is a, an ask, and I hope it's not a big ask. Um, when we do these giveaways, uh, whether it's uh, Kasira's book uh, or whether it's a mug. Um, I have my, I, I'm going to vote for the mug this week because I've sent out a lot of free books this month. Uh, well, but, if they have I'm gonna, I'm going to show you the Richard Skipper mug. It's the cutest caricature of him ever. And I drink out of it all the time, all the time. I want to. And if you'd like my book, it's available on Amazon.com. Yes, but, uh, keys, but, I, that go. but I want to say that if they have the mug and they don't have your book, I will. Okay. Send you, I will okay. send you your book. That I will take okay. care of that. But the point that I want to make is that these books, mugs, um, and this is not a woe is me uh, statement, but I really want to drive this home. Mm -hmm. um, it comes out of our pocket. Yes, it does. Uh, and, and I want to say this uh, because I have an ask and I'm not asking for compensation or anything. No, no. When you win, if you could do a selfie with your win and Victoria Happy birthday, Victoria, who is here at our house today having one of those cheeseburgers. Victoria mm -hmm. made this suggestion that I save this on the show. So I'm going to follow her. Um, uh, Barbara, don't forget to, uh, I want another selfie or send us your selfie because we have a mugshot page now, Barbara, and I want to get your page, uh, picture on there. So resend that or do another one. Um, so if you- Well, on that, uh, on that note- Anybody who has my book, 
if you'll do a selfie, friend me on Facebook, um, the only Cassandra McKee on the planet, and post a picture. Of, you know, I, I get the, I get it, and I, I don't let everybody post on my page. But if you post a selfie with you and my book, I'll uh, okay it, and I'll and uh, put it on, on my Amazon. page. And a review on Amazon. Yeah, and a good review on Amazon. I've had a lot of, interestingly, it's so funny. People message me on Facebook and also through your book club, Richard. That's great. That's great. And they say, oh, my gosh, uh, I just learned something really profound in my life from this book. And here's what happened. I just had this conversation with somebody the other day in the book club. Uh, I think, Cherie, did you get the book? Did I send Cherie a book? I think I did. Um, you know, if you get the book and you like it, you know, post a selfie with uh, my book on my page, friend me on my page. I, my page is actually very public, but uh, let me, you know, or write a, yes, write a review on Amazon.com. Um, anything that people donate to the show goes straight to production. It doesn't go to me. It goes to Richard's production. Richard has a staff of people that make the, his shows happen. And this is one of the shows, so it goes to that show. So what I'm doing right now, uh, you know, I'm volunteering because I believe in the book and I love Richard and I believe in Richard. And just know that, just know that. So thank you. But the point is that I want to make before we I do it, my closing, uh, before I give the book away, mm -hmm. um, because uh, just doing that selfie and putting that out there mm -hmm. um, helps. It, it's word of mouth. It's better than paid advertising. Um, mm -hmm. It lets people know that you tune in and that we do do these giveaways. Um, and it's very important for us if you can do that for us. And I hope that that's not a big ask that we're asking for all of you. And oh, we, we don't need to hope. We don't need to hope anything. It's our intention. Yes. It's our intention that you'll do that. Yeah. And and that you will tag us uh, in the process. Mm -hmm. So on that note, I'm going to do a uh, giveaway. And uh, and it's your choice for the mug or the book, or mm -hmm. if you have either of those, you can choose to give it away to a friend and I'll tell you how to do that or uh, another item that you can help choose. Uh, so let's do the drawing right now. And thank you. Barbara Lee George. So Barbara, Give me a call in about an hour. You have my number and let's mm -hmm. talk. So I am going to remove this and I'm going to uh, say a, a few words here. Uh, and then I'm going to turn it over to you, Kasira, and give you the final word tonight. Self-respect. I went down the rabbit hole this week. Uh, I started feeling so low for myself. There were a lot of things on a daily basis doing this. Uh, things. And Erin, I want to thank you so much for being there for me. Uh, she was my shoulder uh, to be on uh, because there were certain things that were just popping up that were just pulling me down. Mm -hmm. um, the one thing that I don't want to lose through any of this is my self-respect and all of you hold me up. So thank you for all of that. And Kasira, you truly hold me up. So thank you for that. Um, Tesla Bella, she holds me up. So I want to thank you all for being here tonight. After tonight's show, please, please, please leave a comment on YouTube. Share this with your friends. If you can tell at least one or two friends about this show, 
it will help get the word out and let other people know about it. Absolutely. This. Yeah. It's important that we do that. Um, as I always do at the end of every show, uh, please, uh, I say at the end of every show, go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. I'm going to pull something from my calendar today. It says self-love is making myself as comfortable as possible while I'm working. Go out and make yourself comfortable tonight after tonight's show. It's a beautiful night here in New York. Go outside if you can. Walk around the block if you're in the city. Just step outside for a few minutes. I'm going to go for a walk before I go to bed tonight. Do something nice for yourself. But then do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. Go to your Facebook friends list and reach out to the sixth name that pops up and reach out with a phone call. Not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, a phone call. And let that person know what they mean to you. As my dear friend Sean Moniker always says, we're all in this together, but we're not in the same boat. And you never know what someone else is going through. I also want to remind everybody, it is Sunday night, which means that at midnight tonight, the Skipper's Guide, my newsletter, which has a list of all the shows that are coming up this week, will be coming out. If you don't get the Skipper's Guide, you can go to richardskipper.com and sign up for the Skipper's Guide. There's no charge. It comes out every Sunday night at midnight. You will not be bombarded with emails. You will not be spammed. And I do not give these emails to anybody. So if you are so inclined, I hope that you'll sign up and that you'll tell other people about this show. Um, and again, uh, reach out. Uh, if you are going to go out in a boat, however, make sure you bring a skipper and a diva along. So, Kasira, I'm going to leave the screen and I'm going to give you the final word. And it's all uh, for you. And you can tell them a little bit about next week's show. Okay. okay it's all yours. Uh, okay. okay, great. Hi, guys. So if you love us and you love what we're talking about, please turn your friends on to it. Please do. Um, next week's show will be about turning conflict into evolution. There's a lot of conflict now. I have conversations daily with people that are very, uh, can be combative, that are, that are very conflictive. I managed to have conversations with them without having arguments and it's called dialogue, but it's also called backing up our dialogue with reason. We're going to talk about that next week. Um, I want to read some, those of you who have my book, let that go. Please go to page 179 and let me know when you get there. There's, there's a lot of people that are watching that have the book. Go to page 179. There, I, I, this is a, this is a chapter that I absolutely adore. And we, you know, Richard and I, and my, uh, my closest friends, Doug, and everybody that watches Aaron, my friends Aaron uh, and James, who watch the show, we talk about our language and our use of it a lot. Um, the name of the chapter is called positive language and words to strike from our vocabulary and here's the quote that i start the chapter with it's from maya angelo 
Words are powerful. This is what she said. I am convinced you must be careful about the words you use or the words you allow to be used in your house. In the Old Testament, we are told in Genesis that in the beginning was the word and the word was God. That's in Genesis. Words are things you must be careful. Now, as a Buddhist, I don't use the word God. I use the word higher consciousness or universe, but it doesn't really matter to me. And at the beginning of the book, I describe that just so you know. It doesn't matter to me. It's whatever you call it. Here's what I write on page 179. And I write about a bunch of stuff in this chapter, but here's what I say in the middle of the page. Other words and terms humans use to avoid commitment are, I'll try and maybe, both of which actually mean no, yet it means I'm afraid to say no. The more honest the, the more honest answer is a simple yes or no commitment. I think about it is I'll think about it when you say that to people is fair if we commit to a deadline to give a yes or a no answer. There is another common use of the word no. I I personally have interacted with many people who begin almost every reply with the word no. It is a defense mechanism that cuts others off in order to control the conversation and or to make them right before the conversation takes place. They do this constantly, not being mindful of the negative energy they are emitting and in turn receiving. Here's what I'm going to ask of you this week for those of you who especially have the book. And if you want to, please report to me next week about how we use the word no. Are we using the word no as a, as a committal answer? Are we using it as a defense mechanism? What are you using the word no for? Also, next week, just remember, we are talking about using conflict as a resolution. It is possible. It is possible to use conflict as a resolution, and it's possible to use it in the evolution of us and the person we're having a conflict with. Now, here's the trick. We can't expect, we absolutely cannot expect an evolution from the other person. It's about our our evolution and our revolution when we have a conflict. I'll see you next week. I love you for watching. I truly, truly, it's my intention that you get everything you can possibly get out of my work and out of my belief system and out of my writing. I love you and we'll see you next Sunday.